Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the biggest offseason need for all 32 NFL teams. Touch on that before, obviously, the 2021 NFL Draft, but also going to factor in where they can address those needs in free agency. Then we're going to preview the rookie slate, looking at some of the rookies to watch in this upcoming week, the NFL Week 16. Also going to get into Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields. Mike Renner recently wrote an article on it on PFF.com. A lot of good stuff today. Let's get it. Seven a.m. on a brisk Wednesday morning here in lovely Cincinnati, Ohio, aka Queen City. Feeling good, man. I got the coffee to start, but just before the podcast, us three, including producer Mike Quinn, ripped a little smelling salt. We're getting a little, we're getting a little smelling salt happy now. I feel like we're doing them a lot. Twice in one week feels kind of heavy for me. So they showed up at my doorstep last yesterday. Had completely not remembered that I ordered them on Saturday. <laughs> After we did. <laughs> I remember you getting them and then convincing everyone that was with us to also get a pack. So smelling salts are entering Cincinnati at enormous volume. Should be a good time. My eyes are watering. It's kind of a lot. It, it's kind of hitting me pretty hard. You took a, you took a hard whiff there. You got to just get a little peak. Yeah. 7 a.m. I only have one speed, you know. Let's go. You got to go all <laughs> in. But uh, something we also have to address, the elephant in the room, if you are watching on Zoom, I am wearing... Uh, the sweater that your girlfriend got me, the sweater. And you're wearing the same sweater I made fun of originally. And guess what? I go in to get the Starbucks this morning. And the guy's like, hey, man, love your hoodie. That's on me. You know, maybe I'm just not a stylish guy. I don't really understand style. If this is a six hoodie, I, I just have to own it. And I know? will say, Hannah, if you're listening, I love you. But yours is way cooler than mine. She really did me dirty on this kind of. I mean, like that one's It's bright, two for one draft colors. It's two for one draft colors. Yeah. That wow. one fits the pod. Mine was supposed to be Notre Dame-esque. It's more... Uh, it's more like I jumped in a pool. Yeah. Wow. So you're not trashing your own girlfriend. Now I you don't saying, even like your own sweater. She knows. You hate she she was about to not give it to me. She said it didn't turn out correctly. I might never take this off. Either way. Work. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into the podcast here. We're going to look at first Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields. You wrote an outstanding piece that drops oh, today on PFF.com comparing Zach Wilson to Justin Fields because the conversation is going to be. Who is quarterback two? Yes. And a lot of people have already swung completely in the direction of Zach Wilson, especially after last night's game against UCF, which I wouldn't put too much stock into that game. He put on some really, really impressive throws. Yeah. I mean, the arm talent has been something we've talked about every single week. But UCF's defense is okay. one of the worst defenses in college football. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the over for that game or the total for that game, I think it was like 78. Like no one was expecting you know anyone to stop anyone in that game, I think. Let's put some context to that. But Zach Wilson still looked very, very impressive in this game. He's earned 90-plus grades in a ton of games this year, 80-plus grades in most of his games this year. A very, very good season for Zach Wilson. Compare him now to Justin Fields. Yeah, and like you said, this is going to be the bigger debate than Trevor Lawrence anything. It's going to be not only them two versus each other, Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields, but also Sam Darnold kind of in that conversation as well. Are they upgrades over Sam Darnold? And I think that's a dumbass sort of <laughs> we, we talked we touched on this on Monday, but I think that's a dumbass argument to even make. Are they an upgrade? One, it, you're kind of the, the draft in itself is a crapshoot. It's like you you thought Sam Darnold was an upgrade of what you had before. It, like there's you don't know exactly what you're getting. It's not is it an upgrade or not? It's 
are we set here or not? And could this guy be a franchise quarterback or not? And these two, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, any other year, they are good enough. They are worthy of the number one overall pick. If you're sitting at one and Trevor Lawrence doesn't exist, you would take one of these guys. That's how good they are. So if you're sitting at two and one of those are on the board, you're happy as hell. You're, you're saying, thank, thank God I have a chance here. One is, that I think, the thing that needs to be said about both these guys is that they are that legit as prospects. But going back through, going back through the tape on Wilson this season, Fields, not just this season, but you got to include his 2019 in there too. And I don't really include Wilson's 2019 into this analysis because he had a shoulder injury in the offseason, a hand injury during the season. It obviously affected him. It was a different player this year than he was before that. But going through kind of trait by trait, because from a performance perspective, like you said, both elite as can be in terms of PFF grading, in terms of accuracy, in terms of like all that sort of stuff. So you got to got to go to the physical then to sort of break that tie because the situations for both are about as favorable as it gets. There's no Daniel Jones situation here. They're not dealing with a bad offensive line. They have good offensive lines. They have clean pockets. They have receivers running open. Now it's, are they making quick decisions? What's their arm strength like? Can they create outside of that? And when you kind of add all that up, it's hard not to lean Zach Wilson. And to me, the biggest, biggest thing, and we've said it before about Justin Fields, is the holding on to the football and not seeing stuff clearly. And, and the one stat that I'm, I'll bring up that is the craziest stat that really indicates that problem for Fields is that against the Blitz this year, when he's not blitzed, his average time of throw is 3.07 seconds. When he has been blitzed, that goes higher to 3.21 seconds. He is slower when blitzed this year, and it was over three last year as well. The highest quarterback in the NFL right now is 2.8 seconds, Josh Allen. You can't, you can't be a slow decision maker against the Blitz. That's not going to fly at the next level, and that's just probably the biggest thing when people talk about Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterbacks. He's afforded that luxury in that offense. That's not going to be the case in the NFL. Yeah, that's a wild stat. The opposite yeah. direct in the opposite direction of average time to throw when you're going up the blitz. Obviously, you want to get that ball out quicker. But and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. You know, is that coachable? Is that fixable? You know, that feels. You know, it's that's not an arm talent thing. That's not an athleticism thing. Can you get him to get the football out? Can you get him to work his progressions quicker and move? the ball out I, I don't know I, I think it, it it's it's something that obviously you see Deshaun Watson hold the ball a little bit longer Josh Allen's one of those guys mm-hmm. that holds the ball long but can Justin Fields go to the NFL and improve in that area I, I would argue yes based on that but I'm not sure and, and the thing is he is he is going to be on that end of the spectrum of the Josh Allen's of the Deshaun Watson's who have escapability and can make it work still with that but um, but like Zach Wilson has capability too. It's kind of like I'm saying this is to break a tie here between the two when they're that talented, when they're both just freakishly accurate and both have very strong arms in their own right and bring all these tools to the table. How are you breaking that tie? To me, that's the biggest thing. I don't think you can speed a guy up entirely. Like you're not going to go from Justin Fields, who's taken something like I think we've charged him with uh, 16 sacks over the past season and a half, whereas, you know, Trevor Lawrence, we charged him with 13 over a three-year career. Like You're not going to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. He's not all of a sudden going to become that. But I think you can get him up to speed. And I think some of that's just Ohio State's offense. Like If if you don't have to get the ball out quickly a lot of the time, by all means, wait. Like He's afforded that time in Ohio State's offense. We just don't know what it'll look like when he's not in that offense. So uh, to me, that is like the knock on fields. That's what you're going to hear throughout the entire draft process. And that's why... I would lean Zach Wilson right now if I'm choosing between the two. 
And I think you brought Sam Darnold in the conversation. I wanted to bring this piece up as well. Kevin Cole, who's a data scientist for us here at PFF, wrote about why the New York Jets, and Sam wrote a piece like this too, but Kevin Cole wrote about why the New York Jets should take a quarterback at number two overall and looked at the range of outcomes using uh, Bayesian uh, play-by-play grading here at PFF. And you look at the range of outcomes. Do you even know what that means? I'm just kidding. I'm just asking. Like, I, I don't know what it means. So I, I, do, I do have read about it before, and he brings up Bayesian grading all the time, but I think it's a way to... I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, so it's another way to kind of normalize the grades on a play-by-play scale rather than looking at the 0 to 100 grades. But I don't know 100% what it means. I'd be lying if that's the case. But he talks about a range of outcomes for Sam Darnold based off the the play he's put forth. And then you also look at... His passing grade on a play-by-play basis, you know, has dropped throughout his career. It has not steadily improved throughout Sam Darnold's career. And then, in addition to that, you look at what the number at the number two overall pick. You, you, you there's a set expectations for a range of outcomes when drafting a quarterback that highly, and Sam Darnold's has dwindled to a range where you're not expecting him to exceed what a number two overall you know pick can be. Obviously. That's you know kind of stuck in the spreadsheets a little bit. But I do think looking at what Sam Darnold's done, he has not done enough for you to expect his range of outcomes to exceed what you can do with a Justin Fields or Zach Wilson based on you know some you know historical data if you're going to try and look at purely from a data perspective. Yeah, it's not just that he's been – it's not like he's just struggling. Like he's been bad mm-hmm. a lot of the time he's been out yes. there. You know? Like, I don't care what your arm talent is, your theoretical like ceiling. He hasn't – he hasn't had like good games even that's a problem like you know like he should be able to put it together in year three at some point and i I get that coaching still matters and whatnot but i i I can't fathom a world where your coaching is so bad that you look as bad as darnell has through three years but you're actually a top 10 quarterback in the nfl yeah you know i just just don't see that happening like even like matt stafford's kind of been like the guy who everyone's like oh if you just got with a good oc or like a real system he's put up way way better numbers than sam darnold has in bad systems like that's your your floor should not be that if you're actually a good quarterback all right let's pivot to the conversation to the biggest offseason need for every nfl team and i think this one's interesting because we we talk about this every year drafting for need and it's it's we always talk about draft good players draft you know best player available always avoid that but teams don't do that teams do not avoid need in the draft teams address needs early in the draft especially teams in the later for in in the, in the latter part of the first round um but i do think it's important that talking about positional value when you're talking about position of need and talking about where you can address some of those positions that develop later in free agency rather than trying to fill a need at tight end or along the offensive line in the draft because you're rarely going to see those players come in and have a ton of success in year one if it's a 2021 need for you here's what i'll say if the position is a 2021 need for you, mm-hmm. you go address it in free agency. If it's a need for the roster as you move forward, you can obviously address that in the draft. I think a good example of this is the Kansas City Chiefs. I would argue a draft need for the Kansas City Chiefs is offensive tackle. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are still their starters. But for a team that is going to be cap-strapped with uh, you know, Pats from Holmes, Travis Kelsey, maybe Tyreek Hill, you need to draft positions that – make a ton of money on their second contract that play well as rookies. Yeah, and so if you can bring in a rookie offensive tackle, say in the first round, that can play a year behind Fisher or Mitchell or even come in when injured. Play on the interior. Probably. Yeah, play on the interior to start. That's a huge opportunity for you because then you have a – on a rookie – you know, we always bring up quarterbacks on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Getting a good offensive tackle on a rookie contract, getting a good wide receiver, a good corner, 
that is where you're starting to see some of those dividends as well. I mean, the Raiders are benefiting from that with Colton Miller, who hasn't been outstanding by any means, Mm -hmm. but he's playing and starting at left tackle on a rookie contract while other teams have to shell out $25 million a year to get a good one. And and I think that's also has to be part of the conversation. It's where can you find certain positions? Mm -hmm. You don't find a lot of edge talent anywhere other than first round of the NFL draft. That is where most teams who have talented edge rushers got their edge talent. You're either going to have to pay like the Bears did out the ass to go find that guy with multiple first rounders and then a, a massive second contract, or you get in the first round because second and third round hit rates are just disastrous at that position. You can recognize the athletes that translate to that position. Cornerback, on the other hand, first, second, third, you'll have a lot of guys like in those rounds that are successful. Like there's certain positions, interior offensive line, you could find those in the fourth. Like you have to recognize where that position of where you can find starters and quality play at that position and where you can't. And so I think that's a big factor in how you build a team, where you sign for agency is just where you can traditionally find certain positions, like I said, in free agency or which rounds in the draft. All right, so I'm going to skip past. I'm going to go in order of Tankathon's current projected 2021 NFL draft order rather than going alphabetically like the piece does. And I'm going to skip past the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. The obvious needs there are quarterback. I'm going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals because the entire city of Cincinnati, Quinn included, is talking about this guy, Panay Sewell. Some people are comparing him to like um, Orlando Payton. I mean, some, Anthony Munoz. Anthony That's Munoz. the new one. People it, are calling like, him Anthony Munoz around they here. Had so a, let's pump the brakes. They had a sign at the Bengals game. In the stands, saying, "Penny for your thoughts." Yeah, penny for your thoughts. (laughs) Like this, I've never seen a team for a non-quarterback. Yeah, I've never seen this before. I mean, if I if I went to a random coffee shop here in Cincinnati and I said, "Oh man, they're they're putting Penny Sewell in the NFL Hall of Fame already," like, "Oh really? Yeah, I thought that. That's true." Like that's that's where people are at with this guy. And here's the problem: I have to get on Cincinnati radio hits. And 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 talk down on Penny Sewell because I'm like, hey, calm down. Like, don't be overconfident in your evaluation that you are locking yourself in to Penny Sewell at number three overall. And that they might not even be drafting number three overall to keep winning football games, upsetting the Pittsburgh Steelers. But my opinion still, the need you have here addressed is offensive line. I agree. They need an offensive tackle. They need interior offensive line as well. And Penny Sewell is the best one, and you're in a position to get him. The conversation for me still is that this team is more than just offensive line away. And you rarely see offensive linemen, even offensive tackles, as good as Panay Sewell, enter, 20, enter their year one and, and be really, really good. Tristan Wirfs is an outlier. Yeah. Andrew Thomas has not played well this year for most of the season. Mekhi Becton has played really well, but even he isn't ranking inside the top 20 in PFF grade at his position. If you need offensive line and you need it for next year, go get it in free agency. And if number three overall with a team that doesn't have a ton of talent across the board and you're in a position where other teams are going to try and come up for a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, you need to trade down. It's an obvious position to trade down for me. I, I do not think that Benet Sewell is the obvious answer for Cincinnati, despite maybe some people do. I agree, but I'm also – you would it would take a lot to move down from three. It would take like – whatever the Colts got back from the Jets when they did actually trade for Darnold, whatever that was, where they got like four second-round picks or whatever. You would have to give up a ton to try to rebuild that roster to do it because as much as you know, you hate on picks uh, like the Chase Young last year when you could have gone quarterback or whatever, there's not a lot of certainty in the draft, but some players you could tell. Like 
as much as people want to be like, oh, there's no sure things. Like, oh, some guys like really are just di- built differently. And yes, they could get hurt and things could happen, but like those are rare cases. Like in terms of just a talent perspective, there's about two or three guys most years that like y- you can tell it's going to happen. And then after that, it's not. And, and I know that like we look back and like successor, if second and third overall picks is XX and X and whatnot, and it's still a crapshoot. But but that's not kind of taking into account. There really is still an evaluational aspect of some years there's certainty. Some years there's just guys you just can tell that are different. And I think Penny Sewell is one of those. So you say at three, they, they take Penny Sewell. But what and but a king's ransom, I think, is something they could get, and I, I, I and I agree with you in that it's going to take a lot. Yeah. But if you're offered the uh, obviously a first round pick to come down, say you go down, let's say Dallas at eight, say they want to come up and grab Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, you move down five spots, and then are still able to grab it. Dallas at eight's not trading up. I'm just saying that's fair. That's fair. Okay, <laughs> say you come down five to ten spots. Okay, you grab and you grab a you get the 49ers. Yeah, 49ers at twelve. Really, 49ers at twelve. You move down to twelve. And they offer a next year's first, a this year's second, and maybe one other pick, maybe a, a, a three or four. You're not going. You're not taking that deal to get two first rounders in the next year. I probably would. I probably would too. And I think you're going to get that. I think teams are going to be willing to trade their pick in this year's first round, next year's first round pick, and even an additional second round pick to go up and get there. And if someone offers you that, as good as Penesol is going to be. I still think you take that if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see. It obviously takes two to tango. It's easy to talk about trades all day long and trading down. Not every time you get that. All right, moving to the Carolina Panthers, who are currently projected to pick at four. You have their biggest offseason need at linebacker. Do you think they're the favorite to get Micah Parsons there at four, and do you think the value makes sense? No, I think they're still going to. I would go quarterback if I were them. Got a new GM coming in. You're, you, know, you signed Teddy Bridgewater, but you should set your sights higher than Teddy Bridgewater. You know, like that. That should not be the goal, but it, you you can get by with him. So I didn't classify it as their biggest need. If they win a couple games here to end the season and are drafting, you know, outside the top ten a little later on, sure, go address linebacker. That, that's I could see that then, or even cornerback. It's a deep cornerback class, and they need that as well. But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be thrown out to hear Whitehead anymore, even though I think he got benched already. But I, I don't. That's that's like the quintessential. If you're thrown out to hear Whitehead, you, you need a you need a linebacker. I don't understand. And I, PFF grades are not the end all be all. PFF coverage grades, PFF coverage stats aren't the end all be all. To hear Whitehead though was one of the worst coverage linebackers in the NFL for the Los, uh, Oakland Raiders, or maybe they were the Las Vegas Raiders. Then who knows? And then you resign him, and he's still repeating a lot of those failures. I, I I am kind of stunned by like the consistency in his lack of coverage ability. So I. When Bobby Sloak used to work at Bobby Sloak, now uh, offensive quality control coach, I believe, for the 49ers, um, he used to coach linebackers for the Washington, then Redskins, now football team. And they were throwing out London Fletcher. And then he, after that year, I think Bobby and the whole staff got fired. That was like London Fletcher right at the end of his career. It was just terrible. And everyone knew it. And they didn't bench him at all the whole season. And I was like, what were you doing throwing out London Fletcher? He's like, sometimes, like, the, got some a lot of linebackers just can't get the checks or get guys into the right position and that matters more than if they are good or not if you don't have a guy who get them into the checks the right position to me that probably describes to hear whitehead he's probably great at that he could he probably get be. you into the he right damn better ball. be i mean that's what, like he has to be right he could probably get you into the right defense get you uh get the call in correctly but then he's not going to do much more but he was saying that has far more value like not screwing that up has far more value than 
maybe being an impact player at that position. I don't think the Panthers are going quarterback. Nope. You're going to pay Teddy Bridgewater $23 million to sit on the bench? They can't get out of his contract. He's a $23 million cap hit next year. Like, they signed him to a three-year deal. Yeah, that's not, okay, that would be so short-sighted, though. You know? It would be short-sighted, I'm just but, like, I, I don't understand what their, what was their plan? Was well, their the hope plan? he was better than this was the plan. That's a freaking problem. That's having a lack him. of foresight. <laughs> it's like well, I mean, like, oh, I, I still don't blame them. You're, you, things bottomed out, didn't go the way they did, uh, didn't go the way they hoped, uh, and that's why you, you know, you fired the GM, and you're going to reset is I think why because if you kept that GM he'd probably be tied to Teddy Bridgewater. Fair. Okay, that's a good point. They did fire their GM. They probably are going quarterback. But that was such a bonehead move. It was a dumb move when they did it. Teddy Bridgewater was not taking that team to the postseason. Yeah, that's like the whole thing about like Teddy Bridgewater quarterbacks that ilk. Got to set your sights higher, especially if you're if, especially in the Panther situation where you're not. They were they were decision. they were built to win. Now they were built to. To bottom out and tank, and get in this, they were the team everyone was saying is going to get into this quarterback class. You know, like are, they were in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes before they signed Teddy Bridgewater, and now, dude, they let Will Greer trot out there for the entire season. I bet you they're picking <laughs> they're, number one overall. Instead, in they signed Teddy Bridgewater to this three-year deal, trying to like establish mediocrity, and they don't even get that because yeah. the defense is horrendous. That yeah. was uh, that it was a joke like, of the uh, signing, and I, I said it when it happened. It, it was like been this Jimmy is Clausen gonna... two point He would have been got got them Cam Newton. Jimmy Clausen did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been Will Greer. Perfect. It would have been freaking cover. perfect. Instead, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is going to force them to get the third best quarterback in the draft. Yeah. If the Bengals don't trade down, they could be in a situation. The Panthers might be in a situation where they want to just trade up one spot. And the, and yeah, the Bengals still get Penny Sewell. And maybe they have that would be the, that that would be would the be way the move. to go if you're the Bengals. All right. Falcons currently projected at five. And we'll move a little bit quickly as we get down. But <clears throat> number one projected need for them is safety. Despite having... San Diego State, great, potentially huge future Hall of Famer, DeMonte Casey. I understand that. But um, you also have Keanu Neal. Both those guys are set to become free, free agents. agents. Yeah, that one's pretty obvious. For that safety reason. at five, though. There's not a safety in this class you're taking at five. Where do you think they go at five? No. Uh, edge. Edge. Edge also massive neither. Gregory Rousseau? Uh, Quidipe, Greg Rousseau. I, got, I think I got a mock drop in here soon. That's Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think the mock did drop soon. It dropped this morning. 2021 NFL mock draft, courtesy of Mike Renner on PFF.com. Go ahead and check it out. Let's move past the Falcons here. They're in an interesting spot. Picking there at five. Are they a team? I mean, we've talked about Matt Ryan a little bit long in the tooth. That could be. Sitting there at five. Do they want to take and another the team? New GM. When you're a new GM, you got Carp Launch. But we'll see. Trey Lance at five? Oof. That'd be wild. Maybe. I don't hate it. Maybe. I don't hate it for the Falcons. All right, moving to six here where the Houston Texans would be picking, but it is the Miami Dolphins, so we'll go to them for needs here. They have a lot of needs, but well, the good one is... Let's the Texans, Russ. We're not going to get to their needs. Oh, true. Let's just do the Texans, and that's on me, dog. You Texans know, that, would be cornerback would be their biggest need. Their corners nah. this year have been really, really bad. They have... Okay. We said that all last year. We're like, hey, your cornerback position sucks. Probably do something about it. What'd they do? Traded for a running back. What I happens? Like Bottomed out completely. It's just like you can't bank on development at such an important position like cornerback. They had like th- they have three former first rounders and a second rounder. Is that how they got Lonnie Johnson and then Gary and Conley? They rolled in Vernon Hargraves, uh, Bradley Roby, Bradley Roby, all banking on them just like living up to it all at once to fix that cornerback room. Oh, surprise! They're all like four or five years into their career and the exact same guys they've been their entire career. 
can't say I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I think, <clears throat> excuse me. But they don't have a pick till third round, right? So they're yeah. To be projected to pick at sixth, but Deshaun Watson at quarterback is hard. That has got to be very, very difficult. Yeah. I mean, they were a team that I know Eric was high on beating their win total. The roster isn't good, but Deshaun Watson establishes a decent floor for you. But they haven't even met that floor because of how bad that roster is. The crazy thing is, I don't even think Bill Bryant's a bad coach, like actual head coach of a roster. He was the worst GM I've seen since I started at PFF 2012. The double offensive lineman first round was one of the worst. What was or no? What was Max Sharping and Tyus Howard? Like that was a tough swing. Those are two bad swings of the bat. And I remember hearing and then rumors they was, after it was that. so bad that they are like, "All right, let's trade two first round picks for Laramie Tunsil." <laughs> I, 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 I remember rumors after that draft where you're hearing that like they just didn't know what to do. They wanted to grab offensive line, but all their guys were gone. They just still did it. Like they yeah. still. That was also a very classic uh, Bengals. Billy Price. Oh, yeah. Billy oh, Price. They got a guy who's now, the, the double dip is uh, Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher. Oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's the better comp. But I, I liked those picks when they made those. Yeah, I liked Jake Fisher one was tough, but boy, he, I, I don't still still don't know what didn't, what happened with him. He never. He's still no kicking power. around. He's he still is, in yeah. the league. All right. Let's jump to the Philadelphia Eagles. Biggest need is linebacker at the seventh spot right now, currently projected to draft. I, this is where I could see a Micah Parsons make sense, yeah. especially with Jalen Hurts playing well. Playing well of late, not world beating, not like, oh my God, Eagles to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl in 2021, but well enough to where you can feel confident about the quarterback position, or at least a competition between him and Carson Wentz, maybe. But Micah Parsons at seven is where I start to feel a little bit more comfortable. And also, we said the Panthers weren't all in. Why are you going Teddy Bridgewater? The Eagles are all in. Like they have the second least amount of cap space in 2021. 20- yep. They're way over the cap right now. They have to cut bait. So. If they completely gut the roster and cut bait, by all means, go quarterback, whatever. But like, if if you kind of do some funny money with the cap and you're still trying to go all in on 2021, yeah, then Micah Parsons, you're going to see that mock to them probably a ton. My two favorite landing spots, potential landing spots for Carson Wentz via trade, Denver Broncos, who are currently projected to pick at 13, probably won't have an opportunity to get John Elway's quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. And he loves I, – I, I think he, he's not – Dumb enough to do it, but I think he's risky enough to do it. Like he's 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 willing to take on a risk like that. I could see the Denver Broncos maybe at least seeing what it would take to get um, Carson Wentz, and then the other one is Frank Reich's Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. Depending on whether or not they want to re-sign Philip Rivers, yeah, Philip Rivers has played well of late. They could honestly re-sign him. But another thing too is a cap dump and have Carson Wentz play as backup. Eric was saying this. <laughs> Eric Wentz, uh, Carson Wentz comes up as a backup and just sits for a year to figure his life out. I mean, to kind of reset with Frank Reich. I, I don't but, know. Like he needs but, a reset button. Well, the thing is though. Trading Carson Wentz is not a cap dump. They take on more cap hit if they trade him. So the Eagles do. Yeah, they're they're. I don't. Bone. I don't. They the worst. I don't understand. The worst contract in the NFL right now. That's that's tough, man. That's tough. It's a hard conversation. I mean, it's, to have. it's like the Alex Smith situation, except for he didn't have his leg snapped in half. He just might as well. Started no, just kidding. All right, uh, Dallas Cowboys picking at eight here. Biggest need you have for them is the defense. Defense, anywhere, but defense tackle specifically. And they kind of knew that a couple of years ago when they drafted Tristan Hill, but he was that was like the most scheme specific draft pick of all. Like he was a Rod Marinelli defense tackle. He is not a defense tackle in like any other scheme, and that's kind of showed. Uh, they really have their highest defense tackle in terms of run defense grade is Antoine Woods at sixty two point one. Yikes! Disaster. So, uh, someone. Anyone? Not, not a not in the first tackle round. at eight, though. Yeah, not there's the not round. there's not one where they're taking it there. At there eight. might not be one in the first round. I think they happened a couple years ago. 
2018 there wasn't one if i want to say but i I don't there might not be one draft in the first round this year could be an opportunity to address that need in free agency all right number nine you have the chargers biggest need offensive line i mean i think the tackle class and the interior offensive line class is very good picking at nine i don't know if penny soul is already off the board if there's a guy that you really want to swing the bat on there are nine either an interior offensive lineman or an offensive tackle number two offensive tackle in the class right now is what derisaw in your opinion derisaw you don't see going inside the top 10 though um I could I mean I could I could see him going there. People need tackles. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't like stop. Similar to quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, similar to quarterbacks, that you know. positional value kind of drags them up a board a bit. Yeah. So you could see Darius Argo. Yeah, right and that's if they don't go ta- offensive tackle. You don't see a lot of like first round tackles. Like it's a position where the the traits necessary to be great are usually easily identified. And so you just like you'll see someone like sneak into the second, but not a lot. Fifth, sixth round, you're not gonna find a tackle. Yeah. Well, nine times out of ten. If they don't go off to tackle there at nine, who are some guys you like for them? I like defense, like cornerback. They have Michael Davis starting this year across from Casey Hayward, but he's going to be a free agent. Casey Hayward's also very getting up there. I think he's going to be 32 next year. You want that, like that, that defense. If you're not going to give Herbert, Herbert can't get a lot more weapons at receiver at the moment. And like tight end, like he has those weapons. If you're not going to go O-line to build for him, then just build that defense more. New York Giants there at 10, biggest offseason need being edge defender. I think that's something they might need to attack in the draft and in free agency. They have three nose tackles pretty much rushing the passer for them this year. It's kind of absurd. They need some, not just edge rusher. I would add to that, an athletic edge rusher. They need Mm -hmm. some speed. They need some juice off the edge that can bend the corner. Gregory Rousseau here at 10 kind of makes sense for for the New York Giants, but also double dip at this position and address it in free agency. Edge this year is going to be one of the most interesting sort of evals in terms of just how the board's stacked and how it ends up playing out in the draft reminds me of the TJ Watt draft where there's just so much talent, so many different like body types, but like it's kind of like it's scheme fits going to matter a lot, but also uh, it's kind of a pick your poison. You just, it's really kind of a toss up with a lot of guys this year. And I think that bodes well for the giants in terms of there's a lot to choose from. They don't necessarily have to take it at 10. They could probably take one in the top of the second with how much there is, because it might get might help push down boards. I think in my last mock, there were seven edge defenders I had going in the first round. I think it's that talented of a class, but maybe not necessarily that many polished, finished products at this point. Detroit Lions, biggest offseason need there, there at wide receiver. I mean, you have Kenny Galladay, Amendola, and Marvin Jones all expected to hit free agency. They probably That's re-signed wild. Galladay. I would I be surprised so. if they let him leave the building, but... One, this free agency class is very good at wide receiver. Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Will Fuller, and then yeah. D- Juju Smith-Schuster, which I, I, I'm not convinced he's all that huh? great. But then you also Why? have... Huh? Why him? In there. <laughs> then you also have Corey Davis, who's ha- coming off a really big year. You're getting him at the top of the market, though. I'm scared of the contract Corey Davis is going to get. Because this breakout has been great, and he's looked very good. But giving him a big contract based off what he's done this past year after yeah. what we've seen through the first three years, a bit concerning. But And then you look at the draft, it's also a very good wide receiver draft. You've said it in the past that's better than even what 2020 was. And here, projected to pick at 11, I think they get their pick of the litter, at least the first or second guy off the board. I will say, back to the Juju Smith-Schuster thing, every time they show like his pregame dance uh, on the like ESPN tweets it out on the logo of the opposing team. My, the, the reply that always cracks me up is someone saying four catches for 42 yards incoming. Like, cause that's like the classic Jewish, like it's, it's just not been I don't know, 82 catches for 670 yards this year is a ridiculous stat line. That's Jarvis Landry esque 
right there in his prime. I'm working on an article for the offseason to talk about him ahead of free agency to talk about his value and where it's changed since Antonio Brown. You see him running deeper routes on average. His average route depth has increased since Antonio Brown has left. His average depth of target has decreased by over three yards. And a lot of that is quarterback play, and a lot of that is Big Ben getting the ball out quickly and those things. But he's not separating down the football field, not earning targets down the football field. And then you bring him down, okay, maybe he's just a slot receiver. He's not even producing inside the top 20 in yards per run at slot. A lot of concerns with what Juju Smith has done. The drops have regressed. The contested catches have regressed since his first two seasons. And yes, he's young. I think we may have overreacted to a lot of volume production in his first two years in the NFL in a very good offense with a ton of mouths to feed. I think now in his past two years, you've seen that production drop significantly. But uh, another stat that I really like, and I think this is according to PFF Ultimate or Premium Stats, maybe Next Gen, he has 95 total TikToks and zero games with more than 95 receiving yards this season. It's kind of rough. How come we didn't we have the stats here at PFF? Why that was so they're adding TikTok videos in Ultimate. It's going to be a column (laughs) adjacent to like pass rush snaps or whatever it may be. So be on the lookout for that. Lions though, we're in luck. Eleven, they're sitting at eleven right now. They'll get a good wide receiver. Dude, you grab one in free agency too. I I like Eh. the idea of maybe swinging the bat on one in free agency. Just re-sign Galladay and you get someone like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, hot for money. All right, San Francisco 49ers. They're an interesting team. A lot of their biggest need is quarterback. Yep. But they're drafting at 13, or currently projected at draft at 12, sorry. They're going to have to trade up for one if they want to get one of the big dogs. Or sit there at 12 and take a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask. Because I do think the first four quarterbacks in this class, them being in any, you know, the order you choose, Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, and Lance, are gone before the 12th pick. Mm-hmm. If Lance is sitting there at 12, I mean, that's kind of hitting the lottery for the San Francisco 49ers. Because then you have an opportunity to sit him behind Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Shanahan. And Washington with RG3. I kind of like, I'm starting, to get a little, I'm starting to get a little excited about Trey Lance, you know, being in Kyle Shanahan's offense, sitting behind Jimmy G for a year, or probably coming in in week six when Jimmy G looks like ass. I, that is a situation the 49ers could, would honestly pray for. But I don't know if they're going to be able to sit there at 12 or sit where they end up picking and get the fourth best quarterback on the board in this class, that being Trey Lance. Where, where do you see them going in this draft, and how do, you, how do they address that need this offseason? Yeah, I think they go quarterback because, like I said, they, they can get out of Jimmy G's contract. And Jimmy G is another one in that Teddy Bridgewater tier. If you should set your sights higher than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like we've seen enough from him right now, and the injuries are also a major concern. You can't have a guy missing the majority of two seasons, two of his – three seasons there now right two three and a half in san francisco with injury that's just you know that's the most valuable position of a guy's injury prone a guy's going to be banged up every year if he's sam bradford what are you going to do with him that's not going to win you games so i do think that they will be players and they will be one of those teams very interested in moving up for a quarterback all right broncos here projected pick at 13 their obvious need is quarterback drew Locke has been the lowest graded quarterback don't in say the NFL it. don't say it too loudly though Brown's Not for his mom to hear. Your throat. And, and his mom's going to jump down your throat. I don't Ooh. want that. <laughs> Drew Locke has been the lowest graded quarterback in the NFL this year from a PFF passing grade perspective. Looking at EPA per play or EPA per dropback, the lowest ranked quarterback in the NFL this year. He's wildly inconsistent. And even when he is consistent, the ceiling for Drew Locke is not something you want to chase. You're drafting at 13. I know you won't have the pick of the litter here at quarterback, similar to the San Francisco 49ers, but you need to find a way to make an upgrade at the position. That's why I feel like the Denver Broncos could be a team that's making moves in the offseason ahead of the draft to maybe try and acquire one of these veteran quarterbacks that could be available. Maybe a Jimmy G. You know, maybe a Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know. Like trying to get after a quarterback in free agency is something or 
before the draft, I think is something that John Elway could try to do. And if not, maybe they're a team that makes a monster move to trade up and try and grab one. Because you know who's got one of the longest leashes in the NFL at GM? It's John Elway. Yeah, you are a two-time Super Bowl winner at at quarterback for that franchise and a one-time Super Bowl winner at GM. They're going to let you. That's like you're. They're going to give you. You're going to be an owner of that team someday, most yeah. likely. So I mean, John Elway could draft Laura Locke here at 13 and probably still have his job in 2022. That, that that's where I'm sitting with uh, with John Elway. So I do think that they are a team that when you're starting to do mock drafts with trades, awesome. thinking about the Denver Broncos trading up and trying to grab one, and yeah. but it all depends on how they address it before the draft. I could see him at least on the phone talking to some of these quarterbacks that could be available, like a Stafford or Ryan or whoever it may be, and, and going from there. Yeah, it's just Drew Locke is you can't keep banking on the one throw, the two throws a game that you see. It's Sam. the same. It's the same conversation we have about Sam Darnold. Yeah, it really is because he's just the overall performance is not good, and it really was only good for one year at Missouri, and that was like in an offense that was not necessarily NFL translatable in a lot of throws. So. And there's a reason he fell to pick 42. Like you're talking, you're, you're doing a lot of. I get that you've had a rough go of it late at the quarterback position, but there's no. You don't have to talk yourself into a Drew Lock. You don't. All right. Looking at the Minnesota Vikings, biggest need for them is defensive line. You can probably go along the edge and the interior there. And for you and see some names that are will be available: Shaquille Barrett, Jadavian Clowney, Bud Dupree, Melvin Ingram. Could address it with a veteran there, but. They're another guy that I think in mock drafts, because they love length and they love athleticism on the edge. Hello, Daniel Hunter. Gregory Rousseau is like going to be probably someone who's mocked them a ton yeah, this offseason. Well, there's, and there's like a lot of edge Those types. guys in this class that have some length, have some bend that they would probably like. And, and they get Michael Pearson, Daniel Hunter back. Like that's something. But this is the worst starting defensive line in the NFL right now. You need more than just that. So I do think either. Either you know, like a th- pure three tech or another edge guy to pair across him to Neil is a massive need. I have no idea what the New England Patriots are going to do with their biggest need, that yeah. being quarterback. Yeah. I don't think they re-signed Cam Newton. Jared Stidham is not going to be handed the football. I, I, I think they have to try and get aggressive either in the draft or in the offseason making trades to upgrade at the position, or it's going to be another year where they're maybe winning six games. Like You have to... You have to find a legitimate upgrade at that position that Bill Belichick can win with, or it's not going to be a good season for the New England Patriots. It's a need and a half for them this offseason. Yeah, we kind of like joked about the Patriots tanking, and they ended up in that no man's land of where exactly where you don't want to be missing the playoffs, still drafting in the high teens, and not being able to address the one position on the roster that they massively need to address, which is quarterback. They, though, could be in kind of. I don't know, Jameis Winston, like there would be court, like Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, like they could be in that sort of market for if those guys got, become available. I think Bill could win with Derek Carr. Yeah, like that. That's that's where I could see the Patriots going if they're desperately, which they are desperate. I could see them being in that market instead of the draft market. All righty, moving to the Chicago Bears, who still have an opportunity to go to the postseason. Can I ask this question? Should the Chicago Bears you can ask it. keep you can Mitch ask Trubisky? It, Should the I Chicago Bears keep Mitch Trubisky? I'm seeing some Bears fans go into their closets, and, and, and the Mitch Trubisky jersey that's what's left of it. They tried to burn it, but they the, they caught on fire. Whatever they're bringing it out and they're saying, "Hey, UNC quarterback starting to rise. 
He's figuring it out. They want him. Some, some want him in 2021. They're not giving up. We've talked about, you know, fanatics, fans, NFL fandom, and the culture the NFL has created for NFL fans to just live, breathe, and die their teams and their quarterbacks. They're not giving up on Mitch Trubisky. Should they give up despite having a high pass rating over the past few weeks? It depends on what you're going to resign him for. If mm-hmm. he's going to take like a backup deal, a mill year, by all means, whatever. The dude's been in the system a while. Maybe he does develop. Um, if you're going to give him $10 million a year, uh, no, no, thank you. Get if you're gonna like, yeah, anything more than I'd say three million, you can just miss me with any Mitch Trubisky to back to the Bears talk. Um, you have their biggest and, need, and here. Mitch will miss me. You have their biggest need as into your offensive line. That's obviously something mm-hmm. that they're likely not addressing in the first round of the NFL draft. I mean, they could swing the bat in Elijah Vera Tucker, Wyatt Davis, but from a positional value perspective, I'd steer clear, still well clear of drafting interior offensive line. If they wanted to get nasty, they want to get aggressive. Joe Tooney and Brandon Scherf ranked inside the top 20 in PFF's top 50 free agents in the offseason. Those are two guys that if you can steal them away from their teams, I think Scherf resigns with Washington. Mm-hmm. But Tooney is a guy that if you wanted to add you know, a versatile piece to your interior offensive line, that's someone I think they could target in free agency. Where do you see them going in the draft right now, though? What position or, or some names that you like there picking it currently 16? Yeah, I really don't know. They, it depends on, I guess, if Ryan Pace stays on a GM or not. And that's going to be a big factor because if if he does, like they're they're another team. Sixteen probably going to finish season maybe eight and eight. They play the Jags and the Packers the next two weeks. They'll be in that range. They could mortgage the farm to go up and get a quarterback. Like that could be the case if you're Ryan Pace, or they can they could trade up to just go get a guy that thinks it's going to help them right now. Go get a, a guy like uh, Michael Parsons or somebody, or uh, you know more help along that defensive line. Um, they they do have, like I said, interior off signs, probably their biggest in terms, in terms of like having no one, but I think they got to do something at quarterback, even though they can't really get rid of Nick Foles. It's going to be tough, man. That The Chicago Bears team is also in a little bit of a no-man's land. I mean, they got they also, everyone and their mother wants them to re-sign Allen Robinson. I think if they don't re-sign Allen Robinson, the entire city of Chicago is going to go in uproar because yeah. he's been outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Very good. Despite bad quarterback play, I would argue Allen Robinson is one of as good as as much as everyone loves to hype him up and, and it's free Allen Robinson tweets and these hashtags. I still think he's underrated. I still think we haven't seen his best football because he's played with such bad quarterbacks mm-hmm. throughout his career. It's kind of it's kind of wild. Um, going to the Las Vegas Raiders, who have kind of gone down in shambles over the past few weeks, they were kind of a lock to make the postseason, and then lose a bad one to the Atlanta Falcons. And they obviously lose a couple more beyond that. I think it's they're on a two-game losing. Huh? Worst one of the season. Like, one of the worst losses all year. Yeah, it was ugly. Very, very ugly. Now that 7-7, projected to miss the playoffs and pick at 17. You have their biggest need listed at defensive line. This is not a good draft or free agent class to need interior defensive line. Mm-hmm. There's not a guy you probably want in the first round. And the top guys on our list right now for free agency are Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, two guys that aren't necessarily – you know, taking your defensive line to the next level from a pass rushing perspective. So then you pivot to edge. I think there are some veterans that they could like, Jadavion Clowney, Abud Dupree, Melvin Ingram, if they wanted to swing the bat there. And then obviously in this class, if you wanted to get Chase, an athletic, you know, project really along the uh, along the edge, there are some of those guys as well in the draft. Yeah, um, they really should could go anywhere. But they, after all the resources they've thrown recent years, they're 27th in pass rushing grade still. 
Like they're better than the worst whatever pass rushing season of all time that they had a few years back. Right after the Kalumak trip. But not that much better. It's hard to find good pass rushers, Mike. Yeah. As John Gruden would tell you. It is. I, I think they're also a team drafting in that range. I don't give a hell what your needs are. Just draft the best player. Like you, your team is uh, – we've had this conversation on the podcast before. Which player on the Raiders' defense would you build a team around? The question is difficult because I don't know if I would. Would I take the field? You know, I, I want to know how many players on the Raiders' defense currently start for other teams. Yeah. I, I in the last mock, spoiler – I have them going Nick Bolton, Missouri linebacker. I oh, think wow. Mike Mayock will love Nick Bolton. So will Gruden. Yeah, I, I think that's their type of defensive player. And it's still, I don't like the position of value. And it's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, I still hate the idea. It's as good as Nick Bolton could be. Piece, yeah. As good as Nick Bolton could be, grabbing, grabbing off ball linebacker in the first round still still hurts me a little bit. You know, that's not where you're chasing, you know, high second contracts on rookie contracts. Yeah. That, that's, that's tough to see. All right, Baltimore Ravens here. You have their biggest need at wide receiver. Man, Marquise Brown has not lived up to the hype so far. He's been very inconsistent. He struggles catching through contact, some drops on his tape. I, I've been really concerned with Marquise Brown in a, in a 2019 receiving class that was awesome and has had a ton of talent come out. Marquise Brown has been really, really disappointing. And outside of him, Willie Sneed is like not really playing a ton. Miles Boykin has not lived up to his dominator rating or whatever the fantasy community was talking about with him. Um, Wide receiver is one of the biggest teams, but they, they just need pass catchers. They need people that can stretch the field and win downfield. Des Bryant's, Des Bryant's starting for this team. Okay, do, we, do I need to continue? I think they could double dip. Again, this is another team that, like, go into free agency and grab a Will Fuller. Hell, grab a Corey Davis, whoever you can in free agency. Try and upgrade to that position. And then in the draft, in a deep receiving class, grab another one as well. Yeah, Marquise Brown's just... Small, like, and he plays small. And that's like what the worry is when you have a guy, like, that's what everyone talks about, like Devontae Smith. It's easy to look better in college when you're, when guys aren't nearly as physical and don't get their hands in you nearly as, aren't able to get their hands in you nearly as much. Marquise Brown has so many reps where he kind of just gets taken out because he is like 170 pounds. So, uh, but, and we just didn't see him deal with that at Oklahoma in that offense. And now we are in the NFL. And he's not able to overcome it, which unfortunate and why they need another wide receiver. To me, the one I keep going back to is if they can be in a position to draft Kyle Pitts, he solves a lot of their issues offensively. I, I like that one as well. I'm a big stretches fan of the field, can, can, can win where Lamar Jackson likes to throw, over the middle of the field, between the hashes, post routes, dig routes, that sort of thing. That's where Lamar Jackson wins. He's great at, at seeing windows and you know seeing guys who are breaking open and understanding how the flow of the offense is in that part of the field, and he can also stretch the field there though with his speed. So I think Kyle Pitts, like that one, I could see them being very high on. Him. Kyle Pitts, though, I, I've seen conversations about him not leaving the top ten. Yeah. I don't know how excited I am about Kyle Pitts inside the top ten. As good as he's been, you got to feature like it's got to be a part like the Raven. Like it's got to really make sense for your offense and what you're trying to do, but. Yeah, I can. I, I wouldn't be surprised. If you yeah, like but that. so so originally I get it's a little just hesitant. Like, it's not I'd, just like the Lions where it's like, oh, we need a tight end. Yes, yes. Because I get or, hesitant originally, look, thinking about position value and thinking about the tight end position. Like, oh, in the top ten, that scares me. But Kyle Pitts doesn't play tight end. Kyle Pitts plays whatever the fuck he wants. Kyle Pitts plays receiver, slot receiver, in line. I think I see him take some reps at defensive back. I mean, this guy's done it all. And like, I don't think you can bring that argument into the conversation. So I'm going to take back what I just said. I Take Kyle Pitts wherever the hell you damn want because this guy is a difference maker and not just a tight end. He doesn't fall into that category of a TJ Hawkinson, like you said, or an Eric Ebron, whatever it may be, a guy that can't really do a ton of things for your offense. 
we're very quickly talking about him entering that conversation as one of the better tight ends in the NFL in a very bad league of tight ends, you know, because he has the athleticism and that dynamism to be one in the NFL. All right, Washington football team. Their biggest need is quarterback, and they're making the playoffs. That's the worst position to be in. <laughs> no, it's not the worst, obviously. I mean, the Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers are in a worse spot. But mm-hmm. I've been on Washington, D.C. radio. Shout out Sports Junkies. One of my favorite radio stations to go on. Those guys are very intelligent. Wow. Always ask really good questions. But they were saying, I don't know, man. This team looks kind of good. We could kind of win with Alex Smith. No, you can't. Uh, no, you can't. Alex Smith does not. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's it's the trap meme. Yeah. But they can't address it now. Their defense has been very good, but that's volatile. We see that that not only volatile year over year. Eric and Eager, Eric Eager and George brought this up. There's been like six the best defense in the NFLs this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Giants. Oh, my God. The football team. The Steelers. The, the Saints for a couple weeks. Don't bank on your defense continuing to support an offense that can't score points. Go get a quarterback. Yeah. They're going to be in an interesting spot to try and address that position this offseason. Yeah. I think that's like the whole – it's not when we're saying like defense doesn't matter. It's it's not that it's – uh, it's not that defense doesn't matter. Defense that, matters. Defense matters. You would like to be good at defensively. But there's just a lower sort of uh, variance between mm-hmm. – best defense in the NFL, worst defense in the NFL, or like the best defense in the NFL and the eighth best defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. When you're offensively, the spread in terms of just quality of play is so much higher. Like you have And stable. And yes, and, and more and translates more game to game. So you'd like to be as much as people say defense wins championships over the past five or so years, offense wins championships being defense matters. Defense matters when you get hot. You can yes. get hot. You can have a start to the season like the, the New England Patriots did a year ago. Where everyone's like, oh my God, is this the best defense we've ever seen? And that tailors off. The Pittsburgh Steelers in a similar spot who just lost to the freaking Cincinnati Bengals. Football team up and down. Giants up and down. Defense matters when you can when you can strike gold, but it's so difficult to have the quote-unquote best defense in the NFL or even a top five defense in the NFL every single week or year over year. Yeah. The offense, the best offense in the NFL has been the Kansas City Chiefs for two years. And even you could probably rank the second, third, and fourth best offenses, and you don't see a ton of movement. You don't see a ton of volatility. The biggest reason for that being the quarterback position is most important and can be very stable if you have a good one. I think that is what the conversation is around defense not mattering. It's it, Investing in defense and trying to have a good one is obviously important, but it's very difficult to sustain over weeks or over years yeah. with how much, how much you need to go right. On defense um, is interesting. Listen, there will be a good defense for a while. They have a ton of young talent on that side of the ball. But, yes, you have to do better than Alex Smith quarterback. I mean, Nick Saban says it. Nick Nick Saban quotes one of my favorite ones he said this year. Like, you can't win in football with just a good defense anymore. You have to have an offense. And I think with Alex Smith, that offense is limited in Washington. They need to look at ways to address the quarterback position. What are your thoughts? I know you're a big strip club guy. What are your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins? I'm not a big strip club guy. (laughs) I've been to one strip club. I've been to one strip club, and it was for my 21st birthday in Las Vegas. That's a lie. That is not a lie. (laughs) That is not a lie. I've been to one strip club. My dad wanted to go. That's a good story, by the way. (laughs) I don't know. Um, If you want to bring Vinny G, Vincent Gale, into the conversation, my dad is an absolute riot. The stories galore I have for him, but wanted to bring me to a strip club. I'll, I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story. Go for it. Here's the story. We go to a Vegas strip club. My dad, we had to wake him up. My dad goes harder than anyone in the world. Uh, he is a, he's a partier to the 10th degree. Goes into the strip club, gets us all in. It's me and my boys for my too. 21st birthday. We're ready to, you know, do strip club things. He, one stripper identifies him as like, this is the guy that has all the money. Yeah. 
And he sits down with one stripper the entire time. They have a conversation. He said, this is your stepmom, blah, blah, blah. It was insane. He's with one stripper this entire time. It was, it was a tough scene. My dad walked out of there paying a ton of money. But uh, the story gets a little bit more rated R that. from there. Interesting, interesting night in the strip club with my dad. But yeah. if you ever get a chance to meet him, he also lost to you in Beard Eye that one time. He I was going to say, I think he hates me. <laughs> he hates I'm pretty you. sure he does hate me. He, I think he does hate you. But yeah, anyway, all right, off the dad conversation. Arizona Cardinals. But Dwayne Haskins, done. He's so done. Watching. Yeah, he's done. Like you should be wearing a mask in a strip club, even when you're not not in a pandemic. <laughs> Jesus, that's uh, very true. Especially after not even winning that game, but covering the spread. Was he celebrate? Was he telling he was the strippers he the covered cover. the spread? He had cheddar on the sp- on the cover. <laughs> Incredible. Um, all right, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I didn't know we were going to get into that conversation. Biggest need for them: cornerback is Patrick Peterson. Expected to hit free agency and also hasn't played particularly well later in his career. He's 30. I, I always bring this yeah, up. Every time I see any team with a need at cornerback, I think every team needs a cornerback. You know, I mean, there's, there's that single team in the NFL that's like, oh, man, we're good at that position. Rock solid, baby. Can't miss. Arizona Cardinals are another one of those teams where they have, you know, Byron Murphy has played well in bits. Drake Patrick, I think, has surprisingly played well for him. Yeah. I, I just think Byron Murphy, much better this year. Still probably just a slot cornerback. Still definitely just a slot You're probably going to want him as a slot cornerback. And so you have Drake Kirkpatrick, Patrick Peterson on the outside. Drake Kirkpatrick's like the quintessential. If you're starting Drake Kirkpatrick, you should probably upgrade at that position cornerback. He's the T. Hurt Whitehead of cornerbacks. Calling it right now. (laughs) I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Do you think they address it in the draft? or I mean, it's too hard to even say, really. I mean, there's so much range of outcomes where they're going. But I I think I agree that it is their... um, range i mean that is uh one of the biggest needs at least miami there at 21 another really really good defense been one of the better defenses in the nfl for a couple weeks but their biggest needs the offensive line and Tua tungavailoa can get the ball quickly all he wants but the training wheels is going to be on this offense until you can actually sit back there and, and drop back five seven steps and and make a throw downfield i also think they need help at wide receiver i think they need help offensively to build around Tua tungavailoa i could see them attack wide receiver in the draft and then offensive line in free and see, bring in a guy like Joe Tooney, maybe add Taylor Moton, a guy who's going to make a just like absolutely break the bank this offseason, mm-hmm. be one of the most highest paid offensive tackles in the NFL. I think you could go multiple ways of addressing it, but you have to address it. They put themselves, the Miami offensive line, they put themselves in the same situation as kind of the Raiders did with their defensive line, where you were starting with just zero talent. Like you had to be, you had to build out the entire thing. And they chose to do it through the draft. Okay, cool. You drafted three guys in Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, who actually Robert Hunt's played a little bit better of late, and Solomon Kinley, who have not done well you know, yeah. in the first, second, and fourth round. We have not done particularly well, well enough for me to say, those are going to be my starting offensive linemen for the future. You're still banking on serious development from them. And that was like the Eagles cornerback group a couple years ago. Like When you're banking on and that has to happen with those three, I just think you'd be so smart to into a like you don't want to subject him to a Joe Burrow-esque offensive line again next year and subject him to the threat of injury because he's been off injured over the course of his Alabama career you just got to do something like you got to plug one good starter in there I'd mm-hmm. say in free agency is like would would make me feel a lot better about the Dolphins offensive line or maybe to throw money at a couple guys who are like you know quality starters maybe make a trade make, for a guy we haven't brought that like up that. too like we they, always say free agency of the draft you can also trade for players they they just need i would just feel a lot better if i'm a dolphins fan if they just got one guy that you know is solid in there all right Tampa bay buccaneers currently projected to pick at 22 i think this is one of the more obvious ones it's edge defender shaquille barrett expected to leave in free agency i think they have good pieces elsewhere devin white has played a lot better this year mm-hmm. 
adding an edge defender that can bend the edge if they let Shaquille Barrett go, I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, and I think you see this mock to them a lot. They're going to be in that 20 range, which is kind of where the strength, I think, of the edge defender class is going to fall in kind of these project guys. And I think they are one of the teams that takes one. Colts in an interesting spot with their biggest offseason need being quarterback. I think what I'm interested in for the Indianapolis Colts really is do they re-sign Phillip Rivers? He's played good. They're on a three-game winning streak. He's played well over the past three weeks. And he's going to turn 40, though, here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think they're in an interesting position to potentially take that Mac Jones, Kyle Trask at the end of the first round. You know, take a take a flyer on one of those later quarterback prospects. Yeah, because I, I I and because I don't think they're a team with a ton of other needs. You know, Jonathan Taylor has played a lot better. That's Michael Pittman Jr. has played well. Complete roster. T.Y. Hilton's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Going to be a free agent. Like that could be wide receiver you could address too if you're really like trying to go all in next year. But yeah, I could see them. They and it's not like uh, the GM who I'm blank on Chris. Uh, how did I get that far? I don't Ballard. Know. Ballard. How did I get that far to get the first name, not the last name? Uh, Chris, it's not like Chris Ballard is a all-in GM whatsoever. I know he traded a first-round pick for Forrest Buckner last year, but he's been very forward-thinking in all his moves. I could see them address going quarterback. That would be that would be an interesting. That's going to be an interesting mock spot. I think you could see quarterback going to them. One of those guys like Trask or, or Jones going to them at twenty-three a ton this offseason. I also think it's all going to depend on how they address it early in the offseason. You know, if they re-sign Phillip Rivers to a two-year deal and they're like, oh, we're super confident we can win with him, say they win a playoff game this year or maybe win one or two playoff win games this year. Super Bowl this year. Zero like chance. Not zero chance. I'm not an asshole. But that was my prediction. You predicted the Colts to win the Super Bowl? No, to go to the Super Bowl, sorry. And then they Over lost the, the Jaguars for week one. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember How that. How great was that? And then everyone's, uh, even myself included, Gardner Minshew's untankable. They're not picking first overall. Blah, 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 blah. I will say, okay, about the Chiefs thing. Everyone's like, Chiefs are unbeatable. They feel a lot like the 2011 Packers, if you'll recall. 15-1, best offense in the NFL. Everyone's like, oh, cakewalk. Well, it's the Giants. First. I'm just saying, Football Outsiders brought that up the other day to give them credit. One of our well, I, I think the problem with the NFL and like talking about it's not like the NBA, where like this is the best team in the NBA, they're going to the finals because they play game of seven and you, the best team normally goes to the, to the finals. Yeah. It's the NFL, it's one game, and the parity in the NFL is massive. You don't see spreads in the postseason over four and a half points most of the time. You know, you, you don't like this is a very close game, it's an any given Sunday type of game. It's why it's the most popular sport in the United States. That's why a I big the reason Colts why. over the. And it's why you can pick the Colts over the Chiefs and not sound like an idiot. Um, Even though, I mean, you normally sound like an idiot. All right, Cleveland Browns currently projected to pick 24th overall. Uh, Their biggest need right now is not quarterback. Baker Mayfield's played a lot better of late. Played a lot better of late. Since week seven, he makes number one in PFF passing grade. Baker Mayfield playing a lot better of late. Cleveland Browns' biggest need, safety. That actually should be linebacker on this. Oh, linebacker. Sorry, I'll make that change. Yeah, oh well. It's they both they knew both to be honest, but they have Grant Delpit coming back next year from the Achilles. Ronnie Harrison looked all right, but have been a little banged up. But they just they've thrown some draft capital at it. Uh, but like Mac Wilson has not been good whatsoever. Sion Takitaki has been kind of he's not a great coverage linebacker, never was supposed to be. And then Malcolm Smith, BJ Goodson are their kind of like have been their de facto starters for a good portion of the season, but they're both going to be free agents. So I do think linebacker, they're going to be probably 24. I'm, I'm not sure they go linebacker in the first round because of you know, positional value. Andrew Barry, I would 
assume understands that like how that works and that you can find one a little later on, mm-hmm. but we'll see. All right. Moving down the list here, jumping to the Rams, who would be picking at 25 if they didn't trade away their first-round pick. You have their biggest offensive needs at linebacker. Actually, at linebacker. Yeah. They, their team... It's pretty rough at linebacker. It's, it's, it's been bad at linebacker for the last year. You just, like, do it, too. They went in, they're kind of like, we know. Like, <laughs> we know it sucks. And they have... And it's sucked. Kenny Young, Mike Kaiser, both have grades in the 40s at the moment. So... Something that you could address in free agency in the draft. Seattle Seahawks, you have at cornerback. Shaquille Griffin has played well at corner, but outside of him, they have not had a ton of success at the cornerback position really since the Legion of Boom died. Yeah. The Legion of Boom uh, has not been close to replicated anytime soon. I think they should address that position in the draft and free agency. I think they need an injection of talent at that position. They do. Titans, edge defender. They've had bad edge defenders all year. I mean, they have not been able to find production along the edge. Even Harold Landry Harold has Landry. been inconsistent uh, off the edge. They, they, another team. Another team that needs a pass rusher in a very, you know, in a draft that where you're going to be drafting guys with a lot of talent but not necessarily a lot of production. And in free agency where, like, some of the better names are, you know, Bud Dupree, Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, Jadavion Clowney, what the hell? What he just how much money did he cost himself by just being like unavailable? Like why why would he had to have legit offers last season for a lot of money and he's not gonna get a lot this year. He has twenty eight pressures all season long. He doesn't have a sack, Jadavion Clowney. Yikes. <laughs> he's gonna he's not gonna get they have their whole edge group has four sacks total, five sacks total all year. That's bad. Pittsburgh Steelers' biggest offseason need probably should be quarterback, but you have here an offensive tackle. Villanueva, Filer, Okorofor have been bad. Villanueva has been uncharacteristically bad this offseason, or this season yes. at offensive tackle. It's allowed a ton of pressures this year. Up there. It, it has not made things easy on the offense, but I'd also say, like, they, how much longer does Big Ben got? I know he already said that he wants to come back for 2021, but do the Steelers want Big Ben to come back for 2021? Yeah. Like, he doesn't look like the same quarterback. Like, I don't know. It's tough. They, they kind of... There's so much hype heading into the year about, you know, like, oh, my God, these wide receivers, like, through the first handful of weeks, and all of a sudden it's kind of just fallen off an absolute cliff. And they look, like, old. Just, like, Big Ben looks old. Alejandro Villalueva looks old. Some of that that offensive line is just not the offensive line it was four years ago. And, yeah, they – very much could use an infusion of youth at both those positions. All right, moving quickly. New Orleans Saints, biggest need, wide receiver. I think they need a field stretcher. They need a guy with legitimate juice that could stretch field. That's what they wanted Traquan Smith Smith to be. They just haven't found it. I mean, Ted Ginn Jr. was that for them a little bit a couple years ago. But also, they don't have a field stretching quarterback. No, true. Probably could use that as well. um, Yeah, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is technically under contract. There's like almost no chance they don't make him a cap casualty. They have they're they're $91 million over the cap if it's $176 million next year. Currently. <laughs> That's insane. Currently. Without their 2021 draft class, without any they're $91 million over. So guys like Emmanuel Sanders who are due $10 million next year, that's not happening. No. You know, like they're they're, they're going to cut so many guys this spring. Um and so they'll have a number of needs at that point. Buffalo Bills, biggest offseason need. This is a great – if you want any need on these articles, if you're looking at people who are writing, like, the biggest need, if you want any need listed, it's freaking guard. Yes. I mean, one of the lowest-valued positions offensively and defensively. If you need – if you're, like, biggest offseason need is guard, that's a damn good roster. Yeah. I mean, they have they have a ton of talent elsewhere, of course. Yeah, and they 
their guard position, though, they, were, they cut Quentin Spain. He wasn't playing well. Brian Winters, John Feliciano, Cody Ford, they've not played particularly well. Cody Ford's kind of been bad at both tackle and guard, but the highest grade one, Winners, 55.3 pass. Blocking grades are highest of all those guys. They've kind of, they, they just need someone else. I mean, yeah. and that's not even where you go get a Tooney or a Scherf. Like, you can add another piece in free agency or even draft a guy on day two or day three. Round. Yeah, third it's round. not. Not not something like I said. Not a need That's where you need to be overly exactly. concerned. Uh, Green Bay Packers' biggest need at linebacker. They haven't had a good linebacker in a long time. It, it, I mean, since maybe Clay Matthews was playing off ball. Could I just go back to that guard conversation for a yeah. second? Because I remember one time, um, was it Eric tweeted left guard is the least valuable position on offense, and like people were like off the line, people were like up in arms. It's like, oh, how could you say it? like how is left guard it's like one position has to be the least valuable? Yes, it's. It's probably the one that's right next to the left tackle that, like, on a lot of plays is either a double team or not even blocking anyone on some pass plays. So, yes. Okay. What would they um, say is the least valuable position in the That NFL? was the thing. Like, no one gave up a rebuttal of any other position, but just, like, how could you say that? Like, it's – the trenches matter so much. It's like eh. – I mean, I'm not putting any other position ahead of left guard as mm-hmm. the least valuable position. Yeah. Offensively, at least offensively. Defensively, we can have the argument that like maybe box safety is not super important, whatever. Like, yeah. But offensively, if I wanted to be the worst at any position, don't even turn it at least valuable. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to be the worst, I, hey, hey, you're building a team and you have to be the worst at one position, where are you going to be? Left guard. Yeah. Until your left guard gets walked back into your franchise quarterback and yeah. his knee snaps in half. Then, hey, then, it's, then it's a problem. But yeah. Yeah. This other is, than that, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Quinn, this is a small sample size sport. You can't bring off one-offs like that, but I think that's completely fair. All right, the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, currently projected to pick 32nd again. Biggest need for them, edge defender. Frank Clark made the Pro Bowl, Mike. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We skimmed over the Packers. Oh, we skipped over the Packers. A linebacker, sorry. Not wide receiver, but linebacker. I mean, it's just been bad. Kamal Martin's been like, all right. Chris Barnes, all right. But again, rookies weren't high draft picks. Fifth rounder in UDFA. Um, They could use a guy with some legit coverage ability at that position. Would help. Chiefs could too, though. Chiefs could use a linebacker, but also edge. And it's because... And Frank Clark looks like shit this he, year. He made the Pro Bowl, Mike. What are you okay. talking about? Looks like, like just completely lacks impact plays. Like just not the guy they signed and gave the big contract to. Uh, and we were kind of like even saying like he was not worth like the big contract they gave him or the trade that they gave up for him. And he's decreased even since then. In a What's big wild way. to me with Frank Clark, and I, there's some moves he puts on tape where there's some wild plays. I, he does not consistently get pressure. Oh, yeah. He does not grade well. But mm-hmm. even hearing on the Chris Collinsworth podcast, which I encourage oh, you yeah, all Mitchell to listen Schwartz to, talking about like, Mitchell Schwartz like, raved about Frank Clark. Richard Sherman raved about Frank Clark. There are team players in the NFL that like, this guy's a freak. Like This guy can do things that nobody else can do. And I think... Some of that has paid into that, but like, but they were also like, no, he doesn't have like a pass rushing play, and he just kind of like wings it. Yeah, yeah, true. Well, true. That that's another. <laughs> he's, like, he's, oh. Yeah, that's that's a good point. All right, that's gonna do it for the biggest offseason need for every NFL team. We actually hit every NFL team. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Pretty great. Let's finish the podcast now uh, with our rookie preview, looking at prospects to watch and games to watch for the NFL slate. But before we do that, take a quick break. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth are teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They'll provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field, too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that's happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. 
MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership, and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire based on the information provided. In the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts to help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use the code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month at MooseFit. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co, not com.co. PFF and Action Pro are teaming up. Subscribe to PFF's Elite Annual Subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription access and... One year, 365 days of Action Pro subscription access for just $199.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering tailor-made to make avid and new bettors better. This is a limited-time offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl. This offer only applies to first-time elite annual subscribers. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, Mike, let's give Green Line picks here, NFL Green Line picks, which you can find in your elite subscription on pff.com and get the hell out of here. My Green Line pick this week. I, you know, Green Line has value, and I want to bet on Christmas Day. Green Line has value on the Vikings plus that seven. That's my Green Line pick. That's your Green Line pick? We're going to tie it. We're gonna, we'll both take it. You like so the Vikings Christmas, plus seven, too? Christmas Miracle. I like the Vikings plus seven. Christmas Miracle. I mean, I watched Drew Brees try to throw a football with 12 broken or every single broken rib uh, mm-hmm. in his body. It, it didn't look good. I didn't like what I saw. And I didn't like his – the way you got to take advantage of this Vikings defense is by throwing it deep. I don't think just Dinkin and Duncan is going to beat a Mike Zimmer coach defense by seven points. I'll just say that. Yeah. I think uh, the spread pick of the week, uh, according to Eric Eager and George Jahuri, is teasing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to minus one at Detroit, so giving them six points, and then teasing Las Vegas Raiders up to plus eight and a half if you want to attack that one. If you, if you like teasers, giving six points either side, that's one to do it. All right, that's going to do it for the PFF 2-4-1 Drafts Podcast, a Rookies Draft Prospect Podcast. Until next time, make sure you rate, subscribe, review, like, all the things you can do to a podcast. Make sure you do it to this podcast here. Until next time, Asagale, Mike Renner, 2-4-1 Drafts. Yeah.